0: Oh, hello and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Laurie, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Sherban Madeh. Shaban is a personal development expert, speaker, and life coach. He came to the USA with $200 and achieved what he thought was the American dream. He realized that he craved deeper fulfillment and transformed his own life to live more authentically and joyfully. He shares his knowledge on how to live a high-quality, meaningful, and fulfilling life. He has a really interesting journey, and Shaban and I spoke about overcoming burnout, developing a growth mindset, and moving toward a life of passion, true happiness, and fulfillment. If you're feeling like absolutely exhausted by life, feel like you can't catch up on your goals, you'll definitely want to listen to this one. How are you going today, Shaban?
1: Outstanding. I am fantastic. Uh, how are you doing, Laurie?
0: Good. It's so exciting to see you in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. I'm over. Is the weather's actually not too great in Greenville at the moment? We got we got a freeze.
1: Yeah, it's always sunny in Arizona. Can't beat it.
0: <laughs> Can't beat it. I love it. I'm really excited to chat to you, Deisha Bum, because you have quite a unique story. Having immigrated to the US, uh, fulfilling the American, you know, what you thought was the American dream, and now you're inspiring people to live their best lives. You know, you've got a bit of a cognitive behavioral therapy background. You're also a life coach, and you know, here at the Holistic Fitness Podcast, it's very much about finding those things that light you up. I mm-hmm. feel like whenever anyone comes into this field is because there's some sort of backstory. And I know that you have one as well. Can you catch the listeners up to date of how you got to where you are now?
1: Sure, sure, sure. I think all of us, especially when we're at the beginning of our lives, you know, in the early 20s, we just want to make the best out of it. And we're having all these dreams and aspirations. But the main driver is money and that, that was my main driver moving driver moving to the united states is just what what i was making in back home in romania in one month i made here in a day which was mind blowing to me <laughs>
0: that's insane <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it was, you know, it's a high motivator and it really pushed me to work hard and try to check all the different boxes uh, that uh, I thought I had to do, you know, just get my diploma, get a steady job, do uh, a few vacations here and there, but to really save for retirement and just live a comfortable life. Once I have reached that, whatever level of finance that uh, I had in my mind and I did uh, for, I think tw- 10 years was uh, my journey coming to the United States and really working hard and establishing myself. And after 10 years, I found myself wondering, why don't I feel fulfilled? Why, why am I still at a loss? You know, for the first part, it was just engaging with uh, m- moving upwards and uh, establishing myself in the company and all that. But then uh, once I reached that, point, I kind of hit a plateau and got comfortable. Mm. And that's when instead of feeling fantastic, I just started feeling, "Eh, I'm fine. Nothing was great. And it was a weird feeling because I thought once I reached that American dream, that's when everything will click. And it actually had the opposite effect.
0: Wow, that's insane. I'm really curious because you grew up in Romania. What like when you are in Romania Romania and then you look at America what's your version of the American dream can you describe what you thought that would be to me
1: I mean, it's, it's exactly what I've experienced with, you know, having a corporate job, especially being an eighties kid. That was the blueprint, having a corporate job, having a a red brick home, which I actually do. It's a red brick home.
0: (laughs) That's insane.
1: (laughs) And, you know, driving to work, doing the nine to five and uh, then coming home and just relaxing, watching TV. And that, that was the picture, just saving for retirement and going on a few vacations here and there and just living life in the weekends and it totally blew in my face.
0: Yeah, that's insane. Did you get the white picket fence, get married and have two kids as well?
1: <laughs> I There's no fences, but uh, <laughs> I, I did uh, get married and luckily my wife and I, we were... Uh, on the same page when it came to children we didn't want to have uh, children and probably this is why I reached that midlife crisis point a lot faster mm. than others do because I didn't have children so I was at the comfortable place and I was wondering okay well, is there more to this life than just this because yeah. the plateau was just there and mind you, Lori, like everything was fine. Like financially, I was doing good. Uh, my relationship was fine. My uh, uh, my corporate job was fine, but there was nothing fantastic about it. And it was just a weird, a weird feeling. And I realized now that it's, you know, when we're your podcast is also dedicated towards burnout and I experienced a different type of burnout because there's one where you're just so overworked where you're just mm. physically and mentally exhausted but it can also be that burnout where you're just tapped out like nothing's nothing's impressive and you're just kind of flatlining and that's the burnout that I was experiencing at that at that stage.
0: Absolutely. And that's so difficult for you knowing that you're not born for boring mm-hmm. getting excited about this life that's so different from Romania getting here and then realizing oh I'm creating this other flatline where like nothing mm-hmm. excites me. Um, and that to me sounds a little bit like depression because depression definitely is is not being excited by what's going on, but it's hard mm-hmm. when you're in that mindset because it's difficult to pinpoint what's making you upset because it's like I earn a good job, I'm in a fulfilling relationship, like what's missing
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: Tell me how you figured out what was missing
1: uh, well, I have to admit, so the I would like to mention that. Up until that point in my life, everything was steered by a lot of outside forces. So I had my parents who I've looked at when growing up and I had a vision of, oh, this is what it means to be successful from them. Then I had the environment tell me that this is a, what success is all about. And I saw my friends and I kind of took a lot of cues on what I should be doing with my life from mm. the exterior. Yeah, and once I reached that point uh, of frustration, I started really doing a more of an introspection. I really had to double down on the things and ask myself, "What are things that matter to me?" Mm -hmm. Because up until that point, I did a lot of the things that other people told me that I should care about, and it was it was a very um, inside job. Like uh, I. I was always asking myself, when, when am I going to find my passion? Where, where is this passion that everybody's talking about? I have not, none of that passion is, I'm looking, you know, yeah. and I, I realized that you don't find it at the bottom of the ocean. You actually find it at the bottom of your heart. When you're, when you're looking, when you're looking and you're having that introspection, that's when you're really digging deep and asking the real questions like what is, what is, what are things that I can do that excite me, that get me and jump, make me jump out of the bed. Mm. And that was a process.
0: Oh my goodness. I Bet and I can't wait to dive into that. It's so funny though how you say you don't find it at the bottom of the ocean, you find it at the bottom of your heart. Mm -hmm. I actually went to a clairvoyant or like a medium of all things, and it was an amazing experience. But I remember her saying like, "You're not going to get an epiphany to figure out what you want to do. It's Mm -hmm. you know you've got to try a few things out and then figure it out." But a lot of us, you know, when we for so long have been taking cues from the external, we expect the external to be the cue for the inner work too. And it Mm -hmm. just doesn't work like that. How did that process look like for you? I think, you know, you mentioned you asked yourself a few questions, but if anyone's going through some sort of existential crisis, like what advice would you give to them as as to the process of figuring out that?
1: Right. And I I think there's a combination of uh, really doing that introspection, but it also has a lot to do with what you said is trying out things that you care about Uh, and Mm -hmm. you you know I think we all have all these different dreams and ideas of what my best future can look like but then we're also very reluctant to start it because we think that oh if I'm heading in that in that direction and I'm not hitting it then I'm going to fail and I don't want to fail at the dream that I have so we just we just don't even want to try anything so it for me it was it was a small incremental step, and it it came with a realization that uh, I have to try out things. Um, mm. One pivotal moment that was in my life was uh, my my wife saw me struggling with this, and she n- gently nudged me in a direction to listen to a podcast from Lewis House. He had yes. uh, the great Les Brown. On, on his, on his podcast. And in that podcast, it was just unbelievable to hear these notions of personal development that uh, Les Brown was talking about and really taking ownership of uh, my life rather than waiting for everybody outside to direct me to really look inwards and make the future that I want to make. Mm. And there's, there's nothing guaranteed, but if I do something that is meaningful to, or, to me, then I, even if I fail, it's still something meaningful. So I fail at something that I'm excited about. So it, cause we know this, right? It's, uh, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Uh, we put so much of our emphasis on, oh, when I get there, that's when I will feel this way. And yes, you do get to that point, And yes, you feel good for a week, two weeks, mm-hmm. maybe a month and for me it was a year once i reached that uh, moment in my life uh, with the american dream but then there wasn't that satisfaction and i realized looking back now that it was all the small little steps that i was doing to get to that goal that matter a lot more and mm. right now i have a goal to become a well renowned professional speaker motivational speaker and it's it's a journey it's i am i'm at the beginning and i'm doing good and I know I can do a lot better and there's a lot more to go, but I'm excited about what I do. And I love sharing these notions with people because it's, it's all about small incremental growth each day.
0: Mm. And you're here now speaking as well. You know, you might not be doing a TED Talk right now, but you're taking action too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Will said.
0: Speaking of taking action, I want to dive more into taking ownership. So mm. I am a strong believer that until you take full ownership for your life, like you're mm. always going to be a victim. Nothing's ever going to be good enough. Um, yes, we go through really terrible traumas, different mm. upbringings, um, and things that we can't control. But until we take ownership for what we've been given on a platter, your life's not going to change. Um, if you, if you're stuck in the past, that's my philosophy. philosophy ugh philosophy, but I'm curious to hear what you think.
1: Yeah, I, so one of my main uh, topics and what I, I'm a strong believer is in a, in a growth mindset. Mm. And what that means is that uh, we are not fixed. We are not some, some determined blueprint and there's nothing else we can do. We can change. And with that uh, comes the idea of if I'm bad at something and I really want to do something about it, it is in my power to do so. Mm. Um, the struggle that we have is that we might have had experiences in the past that showed the contrary, and we're so fixated on the negative experiences that we have that we discard all the all the other positive experiences that uh, we've we've uh, done throughout our journey, and we think that we can't, but we can. And once we understand that. Yes, our parents may help us, and our coworkers may do something for us, and maybe we had certain experiences in our past that are detrimental, and they're stifling some of our abilities. We can overcome those, and I can I can give you a good example. Uh, Once I understood the notion of a growth mindset, is I was absolutely terrified of speaking
0: Mm. in
1: front of. Five people at my job. They asked me to introduce myself, and I was sweating, mumbled my words, just completely terrified. It was it was very crippling for me, and that was one of the things that I knew that uh, I wanted to change in my life. It was one of the one of those things that I tried, and I never expected it to go as far as wanting to become a professional speaker. It was just a fear that I'm like. I really need to deal with this one way, and with the power and understanding that I have control over this, and with small progress and effort, it can change. I went in, joined a cl- uh, speaking club. First time, absolutely terrifying. Second time, same, same. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the same for for a month or so. But you know, three months in, I remember going to a gathering and someone asked. Who's new here? Uh, do you want, can you introduce yourself? And I got up, I told my. I said my name. I said why I was there and I sat down and I was, wow, that was not as scary as I thought it was going to be. And all of mm. it was all those small little uh, steps that I've done in the past. And that that's it. If, if you fear something, if you feel like you're out of control, I can tell you, you have control. You just have to take that ownership.
0: Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work life balance. With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated, and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. I love that you described the process as well, the process of what those small steps look like, which was speaking for a little bit and it being absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. for like up to a month. And I, I see that a lot in the gym. You know, people have, you know, gym anxiety and it is scary, but you just need mm-hmm. to get in there for five minutes. If that's the environment you want to go into, like every single day, we don't have to force ourselves to get on a stage and do a 10,000 person TED talk straight away. It's about those small things every, you know, as often as we can.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, and I, to, I'm i a very active guy and I have to admit that I've leveraged the gym the same way I, I leveraged uh, the speaking where I think we make a, a mistake thinking that uh, we need to radically change everything when we're looking to evolve. And when in reality is for some, just the notion of walking into the gym is terrifying. So all they need to do is drive up to the gym Stay there for five minutes and then drive away. Mm. For some, maybe, oh, I'm going to do a 20-minute walk. And it's just small increments that uh, make you comfortable and you slowly have uh, a a way of progressing. That has the better results than being like, okay, I'm going to go five times a week. I'm going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning, even though I wake up at eight all the time. That way you're going to burn out so fast. It's just small, small baby steps is there's, it's always better than just uh, doing radical changes. And that's, that's my experience.
0: Oh, I completely agree with you, Siobhan. That's my experience as both a fitness coach and as a human as well. And I want to speak more about burnout seeing as you've just mentioned it because I feel mm-hmm. as though humans, we have this extremist kind of mentality where like, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week from like literally not going at all. And we have this crazy yo-yo. And that that's why, why I see that we're not very consistent. so can you mm-hmm. describe more about like your observations with your own burnout and burnout and others
1: mm-hmm. Yes I you know burnout is it's kind of interesting because we don't get to burnout in in a split second it's it's mm-hmm. a very slow tedious growth or you know process that gets us there you know we we have a plate and we keep putting on the plate not realizing that uh, we are barely hanging onto that plate. And we get to a point where it's just, it's so burdensome that you feel like you have no way out. This is a reality that's pressing on you and there's no escaping. And in in reality is the way we got ourselves to that burnout stage is similar. How we can get out of it is just taking away small little things from uh, from your plate. That's mm. one critical part. I'm also a strong believer in recovery. Um, one of the things that we do, uh, when we have so much on our plate is give up, uh, the, the most essential things. First off is sleep. Mm. We think, oh, I don't have time, so I'm just going to sleep less. And what that does is just really messes with your mind. You're, you're just not functioning properly when you're not getting enough sleep. And typically, especially in a corporation world, they they give up speak uh, sleep then what they do is well i really don't have time today to go to the gym and really work out and exercise my muscles i'm going to skip the gym and that's another problem that i see it's, it's very crucial with uh, burnout the mm. the notion of getting enough sleep and then getting your body move, moving it is so critical to have the energy to c- accomplish all the different things that you have to accomplish
0: you're speaking my love language right there <laughs> because I am so big on eight hours sleep for one. I've got, do you have a whoop? I have one of those whoops that tracks my recovery. It's great.
1: I have a Samsung watch that does uh, something similar. Yeah.
0: Oh, awesome. Yeah. I used to have the Samsung watch and they do a really good job at like tracking, like breaking down the deep sleep, the REM sleep and all exactly. of that, which is cool. Um, yeah. Something that I notice that people do is take away that sleep component or take Mm -hmm. away the fitness component. But it does wonders for increasing your energy to do all the things that you want to do. And it's something I do in the corporate world because I'm still working a full-time senior leadership job as well. So it is busy is I ask people like when I get these emails, like what's the priority on this? Why is the priority this? Because then I can figure out how to structure my days so I don't get burnt out at work. So I can do things like the podcast and work out and sleep eight hours and hang out with my friends. But something Mm -hmm. that you mentioned was um, how, People will put a whole bunch of stuff on their plate. So, mm-hmm. for people who are skipping their workouts, people who are skipping the things that they know that they should do, and and you know maybe they're mom, yeah stay at home mums or stay at home dads and they're not in the corporate world, everything feels urgent. How do you help people take stuff off their plate when everything feels urgent?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this coming from also a project management standpoint, I I know that. A lot of it has to do with prioritization. Um, mm. I can I can tell you that even at uh, my um, nine to five job, there's a lot of a lot of things that ha- need to happen, and at times it gets so overwhelming that I cannot do them at the same time. But I know, and I literally tell myself, I have learned this from my mentor. I don't do overwhelm, <laughs> and I, I I tell myself to have to know in the moments where I'm overwhelmed that I need to stop. And it's counterintuitive that, you know, you take a break when you're, you you do not have time for anything, but that's when you need to take a walk away, kind of clear your mind and then come back and prioritize. And mm. I, I was afraid to tell my boss that I have too much on my plate because uh, I was thinking that I, I'm going to look as a failure for them because I can't handle my workload, but then both of us suffer because I am stressed out because of the amount of work and then the work doesn't properly get done. So then he suffers as well and the company suffers. So I prioritize, I look at the list. This is the most important. This is the second most important. This is the third most important. And the fourth one, I'm sorry, but it's going to either have to be scheduled on a different date or it has to be uh, moved to someone else or it's just not going to be done. But you're mm. better off doing three things well than four things really bad.
0: Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And I feel for your boss as, as well because it's, it does add more to your workload as well when, when you're needing to double check things. What about when... I, so something I see in holistic fitness is people always prioritizing themselves last. Always mm-hmm. prioritizing their workout last, prioritizing cooking nutri- nutritious food last. Do you have any processes or strategies to um, help people put their recovery and put themselves first? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it, it, uh, it very much applies the flight principle where you really, if in, in order for you to be at your best, you really need to help yourself first. Before you help others. So I, I'm looking at it. I'm a morning person. So I I look at my energy level like a battery in a phone. The Mm. more, the morning, the moment I wake up, I have the most amount of energy. And if I spill that energy into everything else rather than me, then by the time I get to me, I'm not going to have that energy. So I prioritize in the morning, I prioritize me. I, I go to the gym, I do the meditation, I read in the morning just to clear my head, I establish a, a schedule, and then I go in and uh, answer for all the other activities that need to happen. And, you know, it's, it's tough, especially if you're, if you're a parent, it's a lot tougher to do so. But I'm, I'm a strong believer that if you want to, you can do, you can do.
0: I love that. That's so true. If I want, if you want to, I can do. You also have described something that I don't feel like many of us do. I feel like we vaguely know whether we're a morning person or an evening person. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't really analyze like when their peak energy levels are at. And it's something I noticed while training people. Like one girl I was training, she was so down on herself that she couldn't run as fast, she couldn't lift as heavy when she was doing a 6 a.m. workout with me. And I'm like, well. Just lift it like between three and six p m You've figured it out. like why are you forcing yourself into that box? I'm wondering from you, like, is there anything else you've analyzed? like do you have like peak um like process times, peak collaboration times, or is it simply more like energy?
1: I mean yes, I, because I'm a morning person, and after I do my workouts, I, I feel at my best. So yeah. in the weekends I make sure that I work on the things that I care about the most the passions that I've discovered throughout this process. So mm. early morning is my peak uh, moment and I know there's uh many studies that were done where they talk about 90 minute cycles. So I wake up um I uh, do my morning routine and then the 90 minute blocks that I do in the morning, either, you know, working on some uh, speeches that I'm doing or uh, crafting some some kind of a creative mode that I'm in is the first 90 minutes of the day, then I take a pause and I might do another 90 minutes. Then I've noticed that those are the best moments for my productivity.
0: Right. How much of a break do you take between those 90 minutes? It's
1: about 10 minutes, 10 minutes, just not to fully disconnect from uh, the activity. Just kind of clear your head, walk, walk away. Of course, um, I'm, I'm not a saint. I would recommend to everybody not go on social media because that's just an absolute dopamine drainer, but, um, Walking away, uh, drinking some water, kind of reconnecting with a loved one or something and then coming back after 10 minutes and getting back into the activity, I I, I found it to be the most uh, productive.
0: I really like that. I've tried the Potomoro technique that's like 20 minutes, and 5 minutes. Yeah. Pomodoro. There we go. I told you I'm not very good at pronouncing things or reading things. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm surprised that I can pronounce your name if I can. You'll tell me that later. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's too short for me because I get obsessed with a task and I mm-hmm. just want to do it for hours. So 90 minutes feels a bit better.
1: Right. Yeah. And for, for people who are starting, just like we were talking about in the gym, uh, don't try to start with 90 minutes, just do 15 <laughs> minutes and five minute breaks. I, totally. I, you, it's more about establishing the habit at first than it is to just grind out uh, uh, hard. I think, yeah. I think that's more important.
0: And that nuance is really important. I think that a lot of people listen to a podcast and not realize that you may be 20 years into your fitness journey or 10 years into your business Mm -hmm. journey and they might be on day minus three and listen to somebody speak and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this workout. It's 90 minutes and then we're going to do all of this dynamic stretching And, and people want to be 20 years ahead of where they are rather than listening to someone maybe one to three years ahead of them.
1: Yeah, I heard this the other day where it said that we like to compare our insights with other people's outsides. And it's just so true. You know, we look at social media and we see the perfect pictures and all the glamorous videos or whatever it is. And we try to compare everything about ourselves with that one snippet. Mm. It's never like that.
0: Totally, yeah, I love that saying because what I say is like we're comparing our whole entire life, warts and all, to someone else's hi- highlight reel. But the mm-hmm. more simpler way is, of saying it is, I'm comparing my insides to their outsides, and I'm sorry, your digestive system probably isn't as pretty as your skin. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Tell me more. So you alluded to it just you know a little bit before about finding your passion, and that. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the sorts of things that light you up and you prioritize before you take a look at, you know, maybe the emails or other people's mm-hmm. demands or social media. How did you actually find your passion? Yeah.
1: Yeah, this, this was my biggest struggle. Um, mm. When I hit that uh, low uh, after 10 years, it's because I didn't know what, what I had to do. And he, I kept looking you know, I, I kept looking to find my passion and truly it's not about finding our passion. It's really about a discovery process. And one thing that we need to understand is that we first have to overcome the notion of fear of failure. Because when we're discovering something, we're gonna be bad. We're gonna be really bad at whatever it is. You know, I don't think LeBron James uh, uh got up one day and he's shooting three pointers from far away in an instance, all of this is a process. And at first we're going to be a stumbling kid, just kind of p- picking ourselves up and trying the next step. And the more we do it, um, whatever it is. So it's that first, first step is that fir- that introspection of what is it at the bottom of your heart that you think that you, that you like once you, once you discover that you give it a try, you have to, it out. And the more you do it, if you recognize that there's a spark, there's more energy than it takes energy. So whatever you're doing, you feel like you're starting to get immersed in it. So it moves from just being something that you're interested in and something that you really enjoy doing. Then you're on your way of finding a passion. But then there's another component that's very critical uh, because even when you discover this new fascination, this new thing that gives you energy, it's not going to be always rainbows. <laughs> it, it's, it's not going to be always just uh, all choir singing and everything. It's not always exciting. And the, the, the thing that it really helped me through is to really understand that there's a level of grind and there is a level of just dullness of whatever you're doing, but in not you shouldn't factor this in a, in a snippet of a day or a week, in a snippet of a month or a year by doing that thing that you're fascinated about. If it gives you that, that spark, that energy, that flow, then you're on your way on building your passion, not finding it.
0: Mm. I do like that you mentioned there is a level of, of dullness or a level of grind because. Mm-hmm. I do think that we live in a society where we expect things to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. We expect things to be, well, if it's my passion, I should enjoy it. I should feel motivated to do it. But Mm -hmm. motivation is the spark. It's what happens at the start. You know, eventually you're going to need that log, that steady log Mm -hmm. that burns. Can you describe what that like level of dullness should feel like? Compared to the level of dullness that you had with the um, the level of dullness that you felt when you realized you weren't following your passion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's two two things to it because at, at first uh, a lot of a lot of people, what I've noticed and talking to them is that they get excited about the about the thing that they're doing, and after three, four, or five months. Uh, it's not as exciting and it's, yeah. it's kind of like a relationship, right? <laughs> At first, everything is just great. You discover new things about the other person and it's, it's all just a uh, bliss and happiness. And then, you know, you, you settle down, those hormones kind of calm down. And it's a matter of, are you still invested into, into the relationship? It's, it's going to take some time and then it's going to have its ups and downs. And, The thing that I've noticed in this grind process is that you have, you start having doubts. You you start having second guessing yourself and don't know, oh, is this really what I'm going through? And this is the moment where you (laughs) really have to pause and not think of it in the spam of a day or a week. You really have to look at it as, is this in the long run something that I would really enjoy doing, even though it sucks right now? Mm. And if you're looking at the big picture and it's still something that's exciting to you, even though in the moment it's not, then you are on the way to really being able to grind out and get to that uh, whatever um, vision you have for your passion.
0: Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goalgetter getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits, Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code LORILEE. L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks Ned for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. You can only have a big picture if you know what you really want. and it sounds like when you left Romania, that big picture was money. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, like I want to, you know, what I can earn in a day in the US is what I earned in a day in in a month, which ended up being wrong for you. So, how do we know if like what we're looking at in the big picture is the? And I'm saying this in air quotes for listener, like right thing to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it's a good question because. You know i if I were to look back on that ten years of my life uh coming to the United States i don't look look at them as a n- mistake I look at them yeah. as a a phase in our life because mm. yeah, we're you know when you're in your early teens, all all you're wanting to do is uh, just get out of your parents' house and not want to be uh, tied down to them. And then in your 20s, you're just partying and all of these things. And in your <laughs> 30s, you're looking to establish a career. So there's certain seasons that we go through in our lives. Because if you are to look back 10 years ago, I'm pretty sure you're, you are not thinking that, oh, I'm going to be on a podcast and I'm going to talk to people and is this is going to be <laughs> exciting and I'm going to really enjoy doing that. We are all going to this different season in our lives, and that season that I was going through was the financial season where I I have. We're all looking for stability. We're all looking for uh, calmness uh, and peace of mind in our lives, and that finan that financial piece of it is very is very important to allow ourselves to look for what is there more to this life? And that's mm-hmm. when you're starting to look at, you know, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you all of a sudden, you think about not just yourself, but you're thinking about beyond yourself. How can you live an imprint in this society? How can you be more for not just yourself? You you may be more for just your children or you may be more for your friends or your parents, whatever that may be. And once you start to detach yourself from just... Being self-centered to being centering on other people's, uh, helping them and inspiring them and looking to help in one way or another, that's when you you find a, a higher calling and a higher mm-hmm. purpose that really helps you um, helps you grind and help you help you go to that uh, next level of, uh, of whatever it is in your life.
0: I love that you mentioned that because uh, I think. A lot of us... I think that money is really important. I'm definitely motivated by money. But Mm -hmm. what you've said, you can't get to self-actualization without having stability. And Uh how do we get stability? Money is our number one resource. And Uh once we have stability, then we can feed into our relationships, we can inspire others, we can find our purpose. And I do think Money is evil, and all of this is thrown around. But it's like if you don't have the resources that you need, you're not going to be able to inspire people at a greater mm-hmm. level, and it's going to be much more difficult to find true happiness and fulfillment when you're just trying to like scrape by.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and money. Money is a good source of um, stability and safety. It's and it it's it's good for a certain amount of time, I I do see that uh, many people because of the way they're growing up, uh, they get stuck into this level of all I know is that I need more money and all I do is want more and more and that they think that once they reach that next level of whatever their income needs to be, they're going to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And you never get there because you're just driven by a, a sum And in reality, there's so much more to life. But if you don't look inside your heart and really figure out the the things that you're passionate about, you're just going to work on the blueprint that society told you that you need more money.
0: Yeah. You know what really helped me with this was figuring out my values. I don't know, like obviously doing cognitive behavioral, you, you mentioned CBT, like that's mm-hmm. something you figure out but i figured out it wasn't actually money that i wanted it was freedom and money gives me freedom but the freedom's mm-hmm. actually going to come from like money management like how how much you earn's important but how you manage it's important as well and also you know having these sorts of spaces to create things that gives you that freedom so i think a lot of like what we're seeking throughout these different fa- phases can also be cues as to what you really want mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, going back to CBT and what you said value wise, I do think that the way we operate in life, uh, just the way we see things, the way we believe in certain things is at the bottom of it is our core values. And those are instilled in us in our, in childhood. However, we have the power to upgrade our values and establish new ones. For me, I can tell you that health is one of my one of my biggest values and for the longest time i was going in the gym really trying to look great like get that six pack and really push <laughs> myself and uh, do all these different things uh, to realize that i'm not it's it's not just about the six pack for me health is more important so even if i can't go into the gym I live a healthy lifestyle by my value, by eating properly, by saying no to that pizza, by uh, getting that sleep that I that I know is valuable in the long term. So health is at the core of my value, and I live by it. A lot of people get confused that they want to be healthy, but in reality, they just want to look good. Yeah. And that drives them for a while, but it's not a, at the core of their value is not health. It's just, I want to be perceived by everybody else as being healthy and looking good, but I don't value health. So then whenever that image is shed, uh, you know, you go to Thanksgiving or whatever mm-hmm. period you're going through your life and you gain the, that weight, health is not not a value. It's just image is a value. And that's that's the wrong, wrong thing to put emphasis on. Health mm. should be a, a core value, I think, for everybody.
0: Oh, I totally agree with you. And I also think that's the reason why a lot of people yo-yo as well. When your values aren't aligned with your actions, mm-hmm. it's going to be much harder to make things stick. And even if you do stick, even if you do lose the weight, you know, I worked in a bodybuilding gym for a while and... Mm-hmm. They, a lot of bodybuilders have body dysmorphia. They think they're a lot larger or smaller than what they really are. You know, they don't see themselves as the way everyone else, and that's not healthy as well. Um, you know what? I know my core values, I'm very big on them. So, optimism, Mm -hmm. freedom, and health those are my Mm -hmm. three core values. That's why I do what I do. I was 24. Thank you. I was 24 years old before I figured that out. And I did it Mm -hmm. through cognitive behavioral therapy, like with a therapist as well. Um, I think it's insane that we don't think about our values.
1: Yes, I think a lot of it, I look at it as... You know, we have all these uh, uh, identities, like oh, I'm a runner, oh, I'm a program manager, oh, I'm a husband, whatever it is, and and these are kind of the branches of a tree, the way I look at it. But at the bottom of it, at the root, sits the sit these values. So, mm. the the value of being a great leader can spur into. The idea of being a father or being a mother or being a a, a manager or whatever it is. The value of being healthy spurs the notion of I'm a healthy eater. Oh, I value working out. All of those things. And the moment we are more clear in our values, we can definitely live our identity in a more clean way.
0: Mm. You're so right. And, you know, your identity is what makes your goals keep on going. If you start identifying like, I am a fit person. I -hmm. am a healthy person. I eat healthy foods or, you know, I am a good leader or whatever it is, whatever we place behind I am can be really, really powerful. But I love that distinction you've made that every single little branch of I am really comes back to a core value. Mm -hmm. If it's not attached to that, root it's quite dangerous. It might whip someone in the wind. (laughs)
1: Right. And it can it can also backfire, right? Because if if you don't have the core value of being a healthy person, uh, but you're you're saying to other people that, oh, I'm I I like health. I want to be in shape and everything, you're really incongruent with uh, your core values. And that really erodes at your self esteem. Mm. Yeah, because we
0: we know the inside. I think as a leader, At work, I have a lot of trust in my employees. And Mm -hmm. if somebody's lying to me, only like they know that and they Mm -hmm. hold that. You know what I mean? And same within relationships as well. I kind of think like if your partner's cheating on you or doing something really wrong, like they're the one holding that energy. Even if you like, I think like if your actions and your words aren't aligned, like Mm -hmm. it's got to eat at you.
1: Yeah it's and it's it's very detrimental i think this incongruity between what we say uh, we're doing and what we're actually doing it's it really eats subconsciously at your self-esteem so the more we're be we're able to be in line with our core values and do the things that we say we're going to do the more we feel good about ourselves and to be fair ultimately this is another quote from my mentor is Fulfillment is about how we feel about ourselves when we're by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's just feeling when you're going to bed and there's nobody there. And I'm like, am I happy with myself? Do I feel good about all the things that I am as well as all the things that I'm doing? And if Mm -hmm. you if the answer is yes, then you're reaching that fulfilling state. And the next day you have to repeat it again.
0: And that's such a great quote as well. Fulfillment is how you feel about yourself while you're by yourself, mm-hmm. because you're with yourself twenty four seven.
1: Correct. And mm. if you feel good about the things that you're doing and the way you conduct yourself, that to me that's the that's the end goal. It it's not a permanent state. It's a it's an always fleeing state. But uh, as long as you align with your values and you live true to yourself, you feel good about yourself.
0: Mm. I love that. That's such good wisdom. We're coming to a close now, Siobhan. I'm curious, is there anything that, you know, you've obviously got a bunch of topics you can speak about. Is there anything that you wanted to share today that you feel you haven't yet?
1: Well, the, the big piece that I would uh encourage any of your listeners is to really understand the notion of a growth mindset. Because I think there's so many layers to it, to where the more we talked about this, uh, the more we take ownership of uh, who we are and what we can create for our future, rather than letting others uh, dictate, the more we're going to be able to accomplish amazing things and the more we're going to be able to feel good about ourselves. So I encourage everybody to embrace a growth mindset and... Just live, live the most authentic life you can.
0: I love that. Taking it back into your own hands, taking complete ownership, not letting anyone else steer the wheel. Yep. Awesome. We do have a closing question on this podcast. And that question is, if you were sitting across the table from your 20-year-old self right now, what one sentence of advice would you give him? <laughs> Don't take things so seriously. I, I think
1: that. we put so much, we put so much, I, I I know I was so in my head when I was in my 20, just thinking about how everybody's uh, looking at me and how I'm perceived and all the chatter that I had in my head about how I'm not good enough and how I'm, uh, I should be doing this and doing that. And the more the more I get older and the more I understand myself more and I do that self-reflection. We're all trying to do our best in this life. And the the more we have an attitude of gratitude and we just enjoy life, the easier it's going to be. And just don't put that much pressure on yourself. <laughs> You're do, we're doing the best we can.
0: I feel that so deeply. I was so reactive at that age. I, like, everything was the worst thing ever. Or everything was the best thing ever. <laughs>
1: Yep, 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 yep.
0: Oh, I love that. I've really enjoyed having you on the podcast today. I'm sure so many other people want to learn more about you. Where can we find more of your work?
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. This was a great, great discussion, Laurie. I appreciate it. They can either find me on Instagram. So my my handle is S-E-R-B-A-N-M-A-R-E, which is basically my name. Um, My website is the same. So you can follow me on Instagram, reach out if you like something and you're wanting to have a discussion about uh, what we talked about. I'm more than welcome to uh, have a discussion. I just love helping people and talking to people about mindset and personal development. So I'm I'm open to anybody.
0: Awesome. And I'll definitely have your details in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me today, Siobhan.
1: This was great. Thank you
0: amazing. And for everyone listening at home, whether you're in the car, cleaning the house, whatever you're up to, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining.